Fantastic. It's a great, great conversation. It's a good week. All right. Are you ready for this, guys? It's time. Many dietitians will be the first to tell you that grocery shopping can be an intimidating and overwhelming experience. So where do you begin? Which foods do I add to my cart? What about all those deceiving packaging? <laughs> this, this, this woman sounds fantastic. She's got a good sense of humor. I hope she does. Robin Darling is a dietitian with CHI Memorial Hospital. And Robin, it's the man hour. I hope you're doing well, Robin. How are you? I'm doing just fine this morning. Hope you're doing well also. And I, I should thank you because you work with cancer patients in their uh, Center for Cancer Support, so you've seen it all. But listen, you have done this before because you work, used to work for the health department. So the problem that we have, we don't know how to shop. We? You got a mouse in your pocket? No, listen. I, I, do you really know what you're buying, Jr.? Yes. All right. You buy the same things probably, don't you? Crap. <laughs> See? All right, Robin. <clears throat> Take us through the door. All right, I can just picture it now. Wherever you're shopping, it all looks the same. But you know what? What do we do, Robin? Help us. Well, a lot of people have always been, uh, and a good general rule of thumb is to shop the perimeter of the store. But we're going to kind of examine the some of the items on the inside aisles are not so bad, but kind of just want to get a I for when you're going through. Okay, so I'm just going to... So gonna... a lot of people will start out in the deli and the bakery. So can y'all perceive any problems going there first? Um, well, I, I would imagine that some of the meats that are there are very high sodium. Is that correct? Yes, they are, and they're processed. So, um, you know, like you said, I work at the health department, so I'm always very mindful of what people are putting into their bodies. And even if they go to the deli and buy the most expensive sliced deli meat, that is still a processed meat. So you do have to look at the sodium, but you're also looking at items with nitrates and nitrites in it. So you can buy some luncheon meat that is uncured or doesn't contain nitrites and nitrates, but it's still a processed meat. And right, like so you mentioned before, the sodium is an issue there. All right. All right. So let me ask you this question. So the, the meat that you slice, is that any better than the meat that's in the package? No, not really. <laughs> it may be fresher. Um, and it may have a better flavor, and it may have a few less preservatives, but I'm not even sure that can be guaranteed. Yeah, it's still a processed meat. Okay, I'm really big into pimento cheese now, but those spreads are killers too, aren't they? You got the pimento, you got the chicken salad, you got the crab. We're, we're well, you have to look at what all you're adding to it and how much fat you're adding to your diet. And so you have to be very mindful there. But like I tell a lot of people, in the 80s, um, people went fat-free. We kind of went on a fat-free phase. And in the 80s, we cut out everybody's fat in their diet. And what happened? Everyone got fat. Um, your body needs a certain amount of fat, obviously, to function. But also, fat kind of helps to keep us satisfied. So if we were to eat a whole box of cookies that were fat-free, it was probably not a good choice because we were getting a tremendous amount of sugar, a tremendous amount of carbs, and we're going to gain that way. And we never truly felt satisfied when we were eating those fat-free items. All right. You've got to help us here when it comes to reading labels because we're not going to read them. Guys just aren't going to do that. So if we turn it over, what's the first thing that we need to read? Is it the fat? Is it the sodium? Is it the sugars? 
What what is it that's not gonna that that's gonna keep us living for a few more years? Serving size. Oh. And the reason why I say that is regardless of what you look at when you look at a label and you flip it over, when you're talking serving size, um, for example, they're a little bit better about it now, but it will tell you like a serving size is a half a cup. But if you look at one of those smaller cans of soup, there's two and a half servings in there. My children ate an entire can of soup since they were like two or three. So you have to kind of look at the serving size because if you're looking at the nutrient values, but that's only a third of what's in the product, then that's a big problem. So look at the serving size. Now more the labeling will say per serving or per container, and that's through all the um, government process we have to try to be a little bit more truthful in labeling. But is that serving size? I mean, I mean, guys, come on. I mean, we're guys here, and that's not going to be enough. We're going to be dying if we just have that. <laughs> I know, know, I know. and they're not saying that's what you should only be eating. It's just giving you the nutritional value if you were to have that serving size. Um, one of the examples since we were just talking about sodium or salt, if you look at a can of chili, like a generic can of chili, there can be up to 1,000 milligrams of sodium in just one serving. But there's two servings in the can, mm -hmm. up to two servings. So you can get 2,000 milligrams of sodium in one can of chili. And do you happen to know what the um, recommended sodium intake is for a day? Oh, man. No, 2,000. Right around 2,000. It's 2,300, which is about a teaspoon. Huh. People would say, I never add a teaspoon of salt to my food during the day. But if you're doing any of the processed foods, chances are you're getting it very easily. Robbie, See, I put salt in my chili, too. So. <laughs> and, and, exactly. and then you add the crackers yeah, that's right. to have salt. Robin, you are great. Robin Darling is a dietitian with CHI Memorial. You're getting some calls coming in. So if you have a question for the dietitian, she is, she's excellent. All right, Peanut, what's your question for Yes, the uh, stuff that they make the animals grow faster, uh, beef, uh, sheep, uh, just whatever, they, make a, they, they add that into their uh, mixture of their, the food that they eat. I was told that is very dangerous for the human body. So they, I guess he's talking about hormones, Robin. Is that right? Well, I couldn't understand the question really well, Jed. Could you repeat it for me? He was talking about, I guess, the hormones that make the beef or the animals or grow chicken or, or whatever, chicken yeah. grow quicker. Okay. Well, we always it's always nice to be as natural as possible. I once heard someone say that um, if we ate like our grandparents ate or the foods that our grandparents ate, we would be better off. And that's because we've gotten so processed, no one's on the farm and growing their own items today. Um, so if you can buy a chicken or a meat product that has no hormones in it, to me, obviously, that would just be a better choice. But it's, it, so, I mean, we just need to look on the label. It'll say hormone-free. Exactly. Exactly. We want things as close to back to nature as possible. And sometimes that's hard, and we know that. Um, but there are options out there now, and I think part of it is coming from the public's desire to be more transparent. This person says that is why you should buy from local farmers. 
Small farmers like me, is what he said. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this question. I'd love I'm, to. How do I do that? Yeah, how do I do that? Where where can we find this person? So where are you? And we'll buy from you. Let me ask you this, the bread aisle. So whole wheat, natural wheat, whole grain. Come on, Robin. This is killing us. What do we, what do we buy? Okay, well, I always tell people... Um we will throw items in there or labeling, when you mentioned labeling at the beginning of the segment, labeling can be deceiving because sometimes it's the obvious. So most breads these days, now with celiac and gluten disease, there are other types of bread out there, but most breads are made from wheat. So we'll say wheat bread and we throw the wheat on there, everybody thinks it's whole wheat or higher in fiber. And most breads these days are um, baked or made from wheat bread or from wheat itself. What we want to do is look at to see how much fiber is in it. So when we're talking about fiber in a diet, for most women we like or the goal is to try to get 25 grams of fiber and men are asked to get a little bit more than that, maybe around 30, but that's the amount of fiber you need in one day. So is that a sandwich? Is that two pieces of bread? Is that, is that what we're talking about? No, we get very little fiber in our bread, which is the strange part. Um, we consider things to be high fiber, even if they have five grams of fiber per serving, but it's difficult to find a bread that has five grams of fiber in it. Wow. All right. So, so you're not saying eat more bread then, are you? You're just trying to find other foods that will provide that, that 20, 20 extra Yes, yes, so where we're going to head to is probably where you usually go to after the dairy, I mean, when we talked about earlier the deli, is we're going to head over to the produce. And that's where you need to spend most of your time in the grocery store. Okay, this person says keto bread. Is it really keto? Um, it could be. What a lot of times they're doing is they're taking out the grams of fiber. So you will see on the item it will say net carbs. And most of us have all received a paycheck. And what our gross total is is very different than our net total. So what they're doing is they're doing the same thing with the carbohydrate content. So when we talked about the label before, it may have so many grams of carbohydrate, but they will extract the amount of fiber in it because a lot of that we're not necessarily going to digest. So it will have maybe a lesser effect on things like blood glucose levels and such. But they are still getting the carbohydrates. The difference is that some of that is insoluble fiber, so we're just going to pull it straight through the GI system, and it's going to help us stay regular, to be quite honest. <clears throat> but it's not going to necessarily affect other body processes quite the same. So keto may be keto, but always look at the fiber that they're extracting or what they're doing. Also, a lot of breads have added cellulose to it, which is a plant fiber. It can even come from things like the byproduct from like a wood-type pulp thing. It's fiber, a plant fiber that our body can't digest. So if you go to the grocery store and you're looking at something like dried beans, legumes, lentils, peas, that's a much better way to get your fiber. All right. So this this is making great sense. All right. Don't go anywhere. Can you hold on for I just can. a all right, once again, you are listening to Robin Darling. She's a dietitian with CHI Memorial. She's just taking us through the grocery store. And so far, we love your enthusiasm. Listen, we know about the produce. Let's, let's take us elsewhere. What about the chips aisle? 
Do yeah. we need to eat popcorn? Are Triscuits we... really healthy? Yeah, come on, Robin. We don't forget the produce. Let's go to the other stuff. <laughs> okay, I just want to get back to address something the farmer said by local regarding um, buying meat products. Yeah. If you go to a local butcher, sometimes they will be working with people to where they have a little bit more information of how natural the product actually oh. is. So when you said where can you get sometimes locally sourced meat, sometimes going to the smaller butcher shops, you can do that. Yeah, this one says Virginia Ann's Farm is at Brainerd Farmer's Market every Saturday from 10 to 12 through the winter. So that's right. good news. So that just gives you options because, um, you know, some choices are better than others, and I did want to address that. All right. But um, what I will also say is... When we're talking about going through the grocery store, I always tell people just to be mindful of what they're doing. Nobody's going to eat perfect. Dietitians don't eat perfect. No one eats perfect. But just trying to make healthier choices. All right. Take us down the chips aisle. Popcorn, well, again, you kind of have to think about the sodium content of some of those. And when we're talking sodium content of chips, that can be high. Um, we want to stay away from less processed food, and obviously chips are processed. When JR said something about Triscuit, though, so if you need a crunch and a little bit of salt in your diet, if you look at that label, there are so few ingredients on it. And that's almost what we should be doing when we're going especially toward the center aisles of the grocery store. Not everything on those middle aisles is bad, but we do have to look to see how much um how many ingredients are listed? The fewer ingredients, usually the better off you are. Triscuits being one of those. That salty and crunchy, you can take care of maybe that chip craving without ever actually going to chip. Now, what about baked chips? Baked chips are a little bit more processed, but I meant that would be another option. But most of those aren't too salty. Okay. And this huh. comes from somebody, because I'm a salty, crunchy person myself. So <laughs> like it comes from somebody chips. that mm. does like salty, crunchy food. And to me, most of those baked chips do not provide the same uh, huh. or the same craving, satisfy the same craving as some other items. All right, so so chips, when we're talking about oh, popcorn, you have to be very careful. If you're trying to make microwave popcorn, I used to do this um, exercise with my class. If you take one of those normal-sized bags of popcorn, not the single serving, but you can get, when we're talking about serving size, there is approximately 12 cups of popcorn in there. And when you think of what your hand looks like after it comes back out of the bag, that it's kind of orange and greasy from all that oil and all that's added to it, that's not necessarily the best choice. So um, be, again, mindful of the serving size because that would be equal to about four servings in that bag of popcorn. And most people can say that they've eaten one of those bags of popcorn. Mm -hmm. All right. What about the, uh, what about the, uh, whatchamacallit, those, um, oh gosh, like no, the Cheetos. rice cakes. Rice cakes. Rice cakes. They're horrible. Don't I know. Yuck. Robin, it is so good to have you on the show. Robin Darling is a dietitian with CHI Memorial Hospital. We have loved having you here. What about old-fashioned popcorn versus microwave? Hmm. Is there a better choice somebody wants to know? Jiffy Pop? Well, I usually tell people, actually, there's a little bit of fun when you pop popcorn on the stove. You also control the amount of oil that you're adding to it. It doesn't have that funny orange color um, because of the seasoning. So if you were to pop it on the stove, it would probably be your best bet because you can control the fat. And I had an air popper. It's the worst thing I've ever, ever tasted in my life. It's because <laughs>
because there's no moisture on the popcorn, so no seasoning will stick to it. Okay, so then you just got to tough it out and pretend like you're in prison. Is that right? No, douse it in butter. That's, That's the good oh, thing. Oh, no, neither of those is the correct answer. No, I would say just pop it with a little bit of oil on the top of the stove. Just pop it, keep shaking the um, pan itself, mm -hmm. and pop it on the top of the stove would be an option. And then it has a little bit of the moisture, and it will hold on to or grip onto the seasoning. All right, Robin, the yogurt area, it's out of control. <laughs> You know, you think you're trying to eat healthy. This is crap, isn't it? What What is going on here? Well, we do get good um, nutrients from yogurt, such as probiotics. They need to be a live probiotic. But we do get some good fuel and some good protein from yogurt itself. You have to think about the product. So if you've got a yogurt that's maybe fruit-flavored, and all that it has down on the bottom is that little bit of what I refer to almost as a jelly because it's just pureed fruit, that's probably not the best option. It's a quick option, and it's better than a lot of other things you could eat as far as low-carb snacks, but it's not necessarily the best option. If you can buy a vanilla or a yogurt, not a plain, that's a little bit more like a sour cream, but a vanilla yogurt, Hmm. It will give it a little bit of sweetness, but then you can add whole fruit to it. Uh -huh. So, again, we're back to the produce, but we're adding whole fruit, so we're getting more of the fiber that you're not going to get just with that fruit on the bottom. Then you also have to look at the sugar content and be aware of that. Um, if you can do a plain yogurt with fruit added to it, that is an option, and that would be a better option, but most of those taste a little bit more like sour cream. All right. But I, if you're replacing sour cream in a recipe, Greek yogurt is a good option hmm. because Greek yogurt is higher in protein. It tastes similar if it's plain to sour cream, but it does have a little bit, um, well, it's got a higher protein content, which is part of what you have to look at. Yeah, you can take a plain yogurt and add like that everything, everything but the bagel spice and put it in there and put it on a baked potato. It's just the yes. same yes, thing. Yes, you could. All right, you can it. also use other items. I will sometimes make almost like a Mexican baked potato, and I will add a little bit of salsa to mine because it provides a little bit of the moisture with the juice from it or mm -hmm. pico, and it's giving it obviously the flavor if you've got a salsa or a pico added to it. I'm so, I'm so glad you said salsa because I am an addicted. I, I don't have many addictions, but ketchup is an addiction, but salsa is a great substitute for ketchup if you're looking out for sugar. Yes, yes, you do have to think about things like that, but I tell people we're wanting flavor. Um, the, term, uh, the quote that a lot of people use, if it tastes good, spit it out. As a dietitian, I was never a big fan of that because there are lots of healthy choices like salsa that you can get a lot of flavor with and not necessarily a lot of the unnecessary items. All right. You got to take us to the milk aisle because we're just inundated with so many choices these days. Milk versus goat milk. What's your opinion? Or almond milk. Almond or, milk yeah. or coconut milk and 40% calories. What, what do we need to buy? Well, what are you trying to use the milk for? That's Cereal. the number one thing is to think about um, what you're going to use it for. If you're just looking for a little moisture for your cereal in the morning, yep. you can just make your choice of whatever. You do get a lot. It depends on if those coconut milks or the almond milks, if they're actually fortified with some of the calcium and such that we need. So you do need to think about that. 
because when we're looking for milk, that's what most of us think of is trying to get the um, protein and all, not necessarily just the protein, but the calcium and the vitamin D, which is fortified in most milk. So make sure whatever milk alternative or milk that you use is fortified. You, if you have heart disease or such, we want to veer away from necessarily the whole milks. But if you were used a cow's milk, then you just are aware of how much fat you're getting. You don't have to use the skim milk, although it's a good choice. Some people just think it's too watery. But the closer you can get yourself down to that, you're making a big difference in the calories. But you can use whatever milk you're comfortable with. If you're drinking it day in and day out and using it as your source of calcium and protein, you need to make sure whatever product you're using is fortified with that protein and calories. You know, I see people working out at the gym and they put those powders together. You know what? I was just told a glass of chocolate milk is the same thing that they're putting in their bodies. Well, we always say, you know, believe it or not, people think the dietitians are all against you know, what we would consider healthy food or treat foods. Chocolate milk is actually a pretty good um, post-workout. It's got carbs. It's got some of the electrolytes you're needing. It has some of the protein that you're needing. And let's be honest, chocolate milk tastes pretty good. When you're buying those protein powders, we're not sure in what factory they were made, what criteria they used, even if they were produced here, in, especially if they're not produced here in the U.S., so you're not sure exactly what all that you're getting. Liquid- so trying to stay the healthier route, which obviously, believe it or not, chocolate milk would possibly be a better choice. And I've got to ask you about this stuff that my wife is addicted to. It's those core drinks that you see, you know, it, uh, the vanilla, the chocolate, you see them. They don't have to be refrigerated mm-hmm. in the grocery store. What about those things? They, they've just got to be. And also the uh, coffee drinks, like the... You know, the vanilla and the mocha, all that stuff, that's got to be a killer, too. Well, I once did an educational session with a group of high school kids. And what we did when we um, went to the high school is we had the children measure out how much fat and salt and sodium by teaspoons onto, like, a red plate were in specific food items. And one of those that we used was a... um, I can say a famous name coffee company, and it was strange when you saw how much sugar and fat were in those items. So when we're talking about coffee creamers and such, realize that we're adding a whole lot of fat and salt to those, I mean, fat and sugar to those items. As far as some of the core power and all, if you want to use, uh oh, what happened? I'm going to go more toward a routine cow's milk if you're going to do that. But it is an option for high protein. I do tell people to be careful with all of these um, products that you buy, the powder mixes and the protein powders, because you want to make sure whatever you're getting in your body, again, is closer back and less processed. When we talk about processing food, you know what's in a food, again, when you go back to the produce section. But there are other healthy options. For instance, if you don't have time to go home and peel potatoes and make mashed potatoes, you can go to the frozen food aisle. And Ida has a product that's called Steam and Mash. And they're simply potatoes that have already been peeled, cut, partially cooked, and then you just use those so you've saved so much time. And if you were to go to instant mashed potatoes, you can find some of those that have 26 ingredients in them. 
And so you can only imagine if your label looks a little bit more like a chemistry experiment instead of a menu, then you have to think about what you're putting in your body. All right. Uh, this person says, I've heard one beer after working out can be beneficial due to carbs and minerals. That's a question. And then take us down the cereal idol. Okay. I'm not going to tell somebody to stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> Uh, that's the question to deal with with your physician based on other medications you're on and your other health status and also how much one beer is going to affect your driving home. So I tell people I'm not going to tell you to do alcohol. I can tell you that there are carbs in alcohol. Um, some races you'll see they have beer at the end of the race to replace carbs, but I'm not going to encourage anybody necessarily to do that because of the increase of other health factors or other medications they may be on. Okay, so that uh, so we got that. that. But you talked about the cereal aisle. When you're going to the cereal aisle, you have to think about how long is this actually going to keep me full. I'm sure most people, you and Jay are included, you've had a bowl of cereal for before before as breakfast. So what what time did you get hungry after you ate cold cereal for breakfast? Fifteen minutes later. Yeah. It's like Chinese food. It happens immediately. You get hungry again. <laughs> yeah, I tell people usually within twenty, thirty minutes you're hungry. Um, huh. our food digests simple carbs quickly. It digests cold food quickly. So if we were to have cold cereal, it's just not gonna fill us up. Now, I'm sure that a lot of us were down here in the South have had like a country ham biscuit or oh. gravy biscuit from somewhere before, and when we do that, we're not hungry till 3 in the afternoon. <laughs> so there's got to be a compromise. Huh. Not necessarily adding a lot of fat into our breakfast or saying that a biscuit's a better choice, but you don't want to go totally fat-free to kind of help us keep us satisfied. So a good option would be a hot cereal. So if you did something like an oatmeal, you're getting insoluble fiber, which will help lower your cholesterol. Um, in general, it's just a good health practice. But you can also add nuts to that. You can add fresh fruit. If you're wanting to bump up that protein, you can actually add some pre-cooked kiwa into it to make it a little bit more chewier. Oh, so there are different options. But again, if you're looking <laughs> at cereals, we want the shortest ingredient list possible. All right, Robin. What about um, beets? Yeah, the thing is beets. Is yeah, everybody. Are beets really super? They are actually a pretty darn good food. Okay. So what I tell people is if you, um, I would not eat a pickled beet unless it's in a salad and I couldn't get it out, but I will do a beet <laughs> as a baked potato. It's just going to taste a little bit more earthy. You can also take a beet if you want a little bit sweeter and you slice it and put a little oil on it before you stick it in the oven. Then it's going to caramelize and get a little sweeter. Huh. If All you're right. just trying to get your family to get a little bit of health in them, then take one beet, clean it off, throw it in. When you do make your own mashed potatoes, it makes the potatoes just a little bit pink, but you've actually got those extra nutrients without anybody knowing. All right, I want you to huh. answer these questions. Raw egg versus cooked. Cooked. All right, oatmeal. Good. She just talked about oatmeal. Oh, but no, 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 the one that has zero taste to it. <laughs> it's horrible. That you gave me a box of? I yeah. gave you that box. It's the worst thing it? ever. All right. Well, what you have to think about is what we're adding to it, almost like your coffees. Oh. So if you want a healthier option, adding fruit can help sweeten it a little bit, like blueberries yeah. or cooked apples. Also, there's different items when we're talking about sweeteners, as opposed to table sugar and such. Maple syrup has a lower glycemic index, and maple syrup hmm. tastes really good on oatmeal. Hmm. All right. Let me huh. ask you this question. If you were on the cereal aisle, what would you buy? What would you eat? I am probably going to go oatmeal. I'm not a big cereal person in the morning, but if I'm going to go, it's going to be oatmeal. 
And if you fix it like overnight oats, it's actually easier. Okay. And Cheerios okay? Cheerios? Yeah. My wife loves Cheerios. Cheerios are not a problem. I'm just not a big, again, because I want to stay full throughout the morning, so I'm not going to be a big cold cereal item. Mm-hmm. Are good options. Cheerio would be one of those options. Um, one of the... Um, How about grape nuts? Grape nuts is not a problem, but if you say, okay, Robin said eat a lot of fiber and you suddenly start doing a huge bowl of grape nuts in the morning, you're going to be very uncomfortable tomorrow. <laughs> so make sure that you add the fiber in slowly up your fiber intake and at the same time make sure you're flushing in enough fluid to help get everything going. All right, how about natural venison, somebody wants to know. Well, what we tell people when we're thinking about cancer is we want you to limit your intake of um, red meat, which includes all um, four-legged mammals, so that would include venison, to about, I think the latest recommendation is 12 to 14 ounces a week. So what I tell people, if you're dealing with um, venison, we obviously know it's leaner, but as far as general cancer concerns, which is where my brain kind of stays these days, I still want people to limit their red meat. But obviously it's going to be leaner than most beef products that you can buy. Okay, I'm, I've become a vegan, but those products that you buy, like Gardein, it's just, it, they're filled with, with salt. It, it, I mean, they're, that's where it's going to kill me anyway, salt, right? <laughs> So, well, what I tell people is when you go just, again, it goes back to processing. If you're using a vegan item and the ingredient list is huge, then think about it. We've taught a cooking class here to where we made our own black bean burgers, and they were actually pretty good. But all we did was puree the black beans and add things to it. When you go to local restaurants with a chef and you're getting a black bean burger, chances are that's the way it's being made. So when you're thinking going vegan and such, you still have to think of what all you're putting into your body. All right. Listen, Robin, people are saying get her back on. She is outstanding. She is outstanding. You are wonderful, Robin, and my closest friend in the world, Karen, who we love there, Karen at uh, at uh, CHI Memorial, found you. And will you come back again, Robin? Sure. Uh, you have been fantastic. And Karen Hinkle Long, thank you for giving us Robin Darling. All right. By the way, anything coming up with the cancer support? Do you have any programs coming up? Um, as far as I know, we've just finished a lot of our events. We did a Survivor's Day for our patients. We had a fun day out at a farm, and we had a Survivor Day with that. Otherwise, we're just trying to buckle down and take care of our patients here. We always offer services. Yep. And we have dietitians, social workers, and nurse navigators here in our office. We help counsel, help people throughout their journey. And the services that you receive from the dietitian are free of charge, which surprised most people. It's not because we're billing your insurance. We're just free of charge. And you, we can call and answer questions from people that are being treated everywhere, well, not just at Memorial, although it's harder to access their records. So we, ha- we are limited on what we can do, but we provide nutritional services and counseling for those regardless of where they choose to receive their treatment. So what's the number that people can reach you or reach any of the dietitians? Are you at the health department or at the hospital? No, I work at the hospital. I work with Karen at CHI Memorial. So um, I previously worked at the health department. But um, our number here is 423-495-7778. And that will put you in touch with our front um, staff because there are several dietitians that work here, and some are here one day and not the other. So, Robin, thank you. Robin Darling, 
First class yeah, job. That's great. I'm going to have a bag of plantains in your honor, okay? Okay. All right, take great care. Day. Thank you, Robin. It was good. Good stuff. Excellent.